I know that Gen Z are using these avatars as ways to perform on the internet or experiment with their own identities, but it wasn't something that was being funded. And I then knew that I had to get involved in venture. Female Business Angel Podcast, your go-to destination if you're a business angel or would like to get into angel investing and don't know where to start. Or if you just want to find out how we tick, we're Tina and Katja, both business angels from Berlin. Well, I'm a VC now. We will interview established female business angels about how they got started and how it is going, including all the best tips and tricks. So get ready for some insider stories and personal empowering moments and revelations with these incredible women. Welcome to this journey with us. Okay, great to have you in this podcast metaverse here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's really exciting to be here. Yeah, super cool. So we've met through, you. basically you reached out to Tina and Tina said we really had to catch <laughs> up and feels like we've been friends actually forever, but this is the second time we're talking. I really hope to meet you IRL in, in the next month. Tell us about yourself. You've started to scout for Atomical and you have a very interesting profile. I mean, even your website is the main character, the dot club. It's, yes, uh, that's right. <laughs> it's uh, it's like pretty unusual. So I'd say you're, so you're not your typical kind of B2B SaaS uh, fintech angel investor. But tell us what you're focusing on and what you've no, been doing lately. It's <laughs> really you. mind-blowing. Um, thank you. So actually, the funny, the funny note here is that I did reach out to Tine to see whether one of my consumer companies would be something she was interested in. I'd only just discovered OXO. I think that's how you pronounce it. And I messaged her, got on a call, had a really inspiring chat. Of course, she's extremely B2B and was like, no, don't know. <laughs> That's not an area I want to, to get involved in. But you should really talk to Katia. And uh, yeah, so I mean, absolutely love getting to know you. Loved our WhatsApp chats. And it's just really great to meet other angels in Europe. So hi, I'm Faye. Who am I? I guess I'm still evolving. Right now, I'm a, well, I'm a cuspy. So extremely internet native we say like fluent in e-girl etiquette, <laughs> but still old enough to remember the pain of the dial-up. I think I had the dial-up for about two or three years in my how, teens. How old were you? Okay, you were a teenager. <laughs> I was a teen then. I was a teen then. And I remember that moment because my mom would just be shouting at me from downstairs. She needed to make a phone call. Of course, like Gen Zs these days don't have that problem. But so I'm, I'm yes, the pain of that is, is, is still in my mind. But I started my career in marketing and specifically in extended realities. So XR, I remember putting on my first VR headset, actually. And it was a rhythm runner. It was Beat Saber. I'm sure a few of you are familiar with that. And I couldn't believe what I was able to experience in six off. So when I saw that as a marketer, I knew I wanted to take what I'd seen and bring it to the masses, bring it to the mainstream. Uh, so 
that to me, that was where I knew I, I had to be. And so XR, gaming, digital expression, digital identity, I call that sort of extended realities, which really forms a lot of my, my thesis as an angel. So after VR, I actually moved into social with Facemoji, which later renamed to Ulta and then was actually acquired by Google last month. And when I was working there, I just learned so much about product and specifically how to build for consumer. Robin and Tom, the co-founders, were meticulous about building and testing. So test, measure, be less wrong was sort of the mantra of that company. And specifically because we were building avatars for Gen Z, we were just fanatic at that time about not hitting un Uncanny Valley and finding that exact avatar style. And I remember pitching face emoji to seed investors. And it was really hard, right? And it was around the sort of time when little Michaela was starting to gain more of a following and, and brands were starting to work with her. But investors weren't so comfortable with the fact that that could be democratized and creators themselves could be the owners of these avatars or characters, actually, as they sort of grew to be known as. And it was then when I thought, okay, I really, I know that Gen Z are using these avatars as ways to perform on the internet or experiment with their own identities. But it wasn't, it, it wasn't something that was being funded. And I then knew that I had to get involved. So that's why I actually moved across to VC after, after Facemoji. And since then, was investing for the last three years at Unshackled, and then lastly, Bitcraft, which is a top-tier gaming fund. And now I'm working with Atomico as part of their angel program as of July this year. So it's really, really exciting and really new. And I have full autonomy now myself on, on what I like to invest in at pre-seed and seed. As one has as an Atomico angel. And I think <laughs> you are like, you have a very unconventional profile and for, for, for the angel and you're a great addition to the European family. And like taking a step back. So you've tried your first VR set on the job. So you were probably like in your early 20, 20s or like, I don't know, 19 maybe. Yes. Yeah. And, exactly. Yeah, early 20s. But, You have early 20s, but maybe so taking like even a step back. So when you were growing up with like first like modem kind of dialing in and then what was your first experience in, you know, in the extended reality in, in all yeah. these worlds? What was your the favorite, like your first game you got hooked on? I, I Did you still experience ICQ? That was probably more like my generation and a bit older. And What was your first avatar? I, well, I remember, I don't know, playing like Unreal Tournament with my dad or something like that. There were not too many options. And, I mean, it was like pretty standard. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's really funny this because I actually grew up in the British countryside as, you know, an early child. So I was very much dialed into simulation games. I used to have also really long summers as a young teen, I remember. And because we lived in the countryside, surrounded by fields and horses and cows, you can imagine it, I would spend a lot of my time on Sims, maybe four to five hours a day. If I was lucky, I would get a couple extra hours after dinner. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, at the time, for me, it was very much, I was closed in my own, in my own game, in my house. Now it's a lot more social. And so I think when I look at what teens have now, I feel sad also for myself 
because I think I would have really benefited from a lot of that socialization. <laughs> but no, I spent, so I would say, yes, yeah, Sims. And then I also spent a lot of time in Roller Coaster Tycoon. My mom is a dentist and okay. she didn't like to leave me at home. So I used to be in the sort of the storage cupboard and I used to be playing Roller Coaster Tycoon for hours. Um, and all the dentists would come in and check on me every hour or so. And I would be in there, you know, build, <laughs> building my theme park with the umbrellas for when it rains. If anyone knows, I would hike that price up like the true catalyst I am. No, it was it was really awesome, actually. And I think gaming is, you know, it was a real part of my my childhood, which has given me this affection for it, I would say, as I got older. And then especially through investing in it, I think what I've seen is that there's there's a large need for more funding into games themselves. I think it's crazy that still only like 16% of women are, are at the executive level in these gaming companies. Yeah, well, well, that's still yeah. better than the VC statistics, right? <laughs> it is, but we need more so that they can become angels, right? It's like the flow of money. And then ultimately they can invest into more women-led companies. There needs to be a big effort here. As I mean, I know you're referring to something that came out of the Atomico report. Yeah, it, it's been dismal for female funding in the past year. And then you sort of double that when you do look at games and women-led gaming companies. Yeah, yeah, it's actually interesting because we're like many, especially mobile games, the target audience are women. So I can imagine exactly. that like Sims or there are also like casual games. So we had quite a few big casual gaming companies here in Berlin and I knew people who worked there and I asked them, okay, so who's your target audience? Like, you know, all these like nerdy guys who code at night and occasionally play your games. And they said, oh, no, no, no. Bored housewives. I was like, okay, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's the stat. It's like mobile gaming makes up, I think, half of the gaming market. And then, yeah, it's split evenly between men and women in terms of who are actually playing mobile games. But there's not enough games that are built for women. So I think that's where I'm also spending a lot of time myself and building out my thesis is around how can I support women in these companies? Maybe noodling on an idea that they want to break away and build because they're noticing an underserved demographic. There's some amazing early stage Finds out their wings is is one of them that supports women in gaming and who are out like in the first check. But it's definitely still early days. We need more women angels actually investing in games. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were pitching back in the days for the seed funding and you were not, you, you did not feel felt understood on the other side of the table. So probably. <laughs> like some kind of a picture like materialized in your head about which investor, what type of investor you would like to have or you would like to be yourself. So mm. so what do you envision about, well, besides, you know, fostering more gender diversity? Yes. What, what's the world you'd like to build and you'd like to support as, as an angel for now and maybe like as a full-time investor or entrepreneur like in a couple of months? Yes, I love that question. So I think something that I try to instill in me as an investor is that the founders always know best. And I think sometimes some VCs need to remember that. 
ultimately we are the funders, but we are believing in the vision of the founders in front of us. And we should give them that flexibility to build, have that space, not micromanage, but be there as a support when the going gets tough. And of course, also celebrate when it's time, making sure that your investor is as excited about the opportunity as you are, gives you the full autonomy to go away and build and pivot and fail and come back and have new ideas, fresh ideas, because ultimately you're the business. You're the person with the ideas. We're just there to support you. Lots of different things that I look for in a partner and that I try to embody as a VC. Yeah, but that's great. Like to be a sparring partner you can trust. And um, yes. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, it's also, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great approach to not expect, found, especially the pre seed founders, to stick to their roadmap. Like, you know, in, in the first year or year and a half, because, uh, yeah, you have to find this product market fit. And you, yeah, and it's, it's great if you have the right partners with you on board who get you, who also grew up playing computer games, <laughs> maybe during the summer holidays. And they, yeah, you are on the same frequency. And so, what, so I think, I, I guess now what's really fascinating, especially after the two years of the, pandemic or like the digital experiment with we all been through for good and for bad it's really exciting to see how gaming interlap overlaps with fashion and social networks remote work study i i don't know now like with ai coming in it can be anything like interior design whatever like you name it what are what what other areas you are excited about or what what are you what are you looking for besides gaming and avatars what yeah. kind of um, yeah what what kind of kind of sci-fi environment <laughs> you'd like Always. to invest in today to you know to to become to, to have it as part of our normal life in maybe 5 or 10 years Yes, no, it's a, it's a great question. So since avatars, I think I've really sort of extended my thesis to really envelop more of like virtual beings and the technology that underpins them. So I'm really fascinated by synthetic AI developed audio. So voice mod, for example, which is actually mm. here in Spain. So offices in Valencia and Barcelona, I'm really impressed with what they've been building in terms of allowing artists to take their own voices replicate them and then give that to the community, allowing anyone to be able to create using AI and anyone also to be a singer or performer. Those sorts of things really excite me. Similarly, when you're thinking about agency and adding dynamacy to these PFPs that have just, oof, I mean, they proliferated our virtual worlds right now. It really feels like coming hot off the press of a, of a launched NFT project these past three days. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that too, is we've all been thrown into these sort of virtual character-like companies, which is interesting because now it's more of a content play. So we've got all these amazing characters but they don't have personalities. They are, you know, very 2D. How, how do we bring them to life? How do we breathe new life into these characters? So that's the voice, that's the movement, that's the interoperability. Where can I express myself as these characters? 
so Move AI is actually a really great one that I've been following. It's based in London. And I think we're going to see more and more of these virtual being enablers over the next you know, year or so. And then obviously on the flip side there, beyond like the actual tech, you've got like content plays. Had a really great company at Bitcraft called 555. Really love what the team is building there. They've already built up a strong network of storytellers and story engage ease, I would say. So they have these characters that live across the internet. They engage with each other across these digital third spaces, allowing anyone to come in, express themselves as a character. And they've got a really interesting model, actually. They're moving more Web3 at the moment. So I would watch that company 555 or Go, 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 as it is in, in Japan. And so that's more of a content place. Similarly, with characters and personalities, I think it's interesting that we're seeing a lot more of these like chat GPT-3 bots picking up enabling anyone to essentially program a personality and a backstory and then letting it loose on a Discord. I think there's many, many ways in which I can see that really working out. Circle Labs is a great one, actually, that I was following for a while. They've really, really taken on the Gen Z voice. And what's interesting is like the session that there is an hour or so long. Circle Labs. Circle Labs, they were funded by Lightspeed fairly recently. And, and following Character AI was pretty fun as well. Yes, yeah. Another great one, actually. Yeah, spending a lot of time there because the session length of those is quite interesting. You know, it's like it parallels Roblox. And all they're doing is in Discord chatting to a bot. But the bot has been tailor-made for them. Now we've actually got AI friends because they are now so curated. It's almost better than what you can get in any sort of forum or community. And it almost becomes like a sidekick of sorts. Like if Tamagotchi had agency and knew you back to front and had your context of your life and knew you. I think that's what we're moving towards now. And I think Gen Z are very much receptive to that. I don't see any sort of barrier to entry there at all. I think the only barrier is is whether people think that it, it actually makes sense ethically. But for, for Gen Z, I would argue, this has been normal for many, many years. I mean, Replica, how long has that been around for? Uh, years. And, you know, always does super well in the charts. I think just being a little bit more open to how people are actually engaging already with the with these technologies, we've just got a different glossy framing, a VC framing on it now, which always happens, right? Like with filters and, yeah. and avatars, it's you know it was already happening, it was already in the zeitgeist, but you know now it's different. it's got a different yeah, it so just has a different as, gloss. <laughs> I mean, as an investor, you have to make money at some point. What do you see like for these virtual beings and for all the examples you you gave? Like what? What do you see could be the kind of the main monetization areas? I mean, Replica, it could be kind of like a mental health assistant, but also, I yep. don't know, tricky ground, I think. But yeah, bad because you can't really blame AI if someone has serious issues and, you know, it ends up a bit bad. 
okay, it can be gaming there. I don't know if it's like interoperable. You can take your avatar virtual being and go hang out and all the metaverses, which is not happening yet, to be honest, to that extent. What else? Like what what do you see? How, how do they make money or how would they make money in the future? Yeah, I think it's interesting because Sims moving forward with their CurseForge partnership, allowing creators to actually yeah, build garments outside of the Sims, bring them in as a mod and actually be able to charge for them for the first two weeks. I think it is, or it's, an, it's a reasonable, I think they say reasonable amount of time. Don't quote me on that. But we're starting to see these closed systems open up a little more to accept more of these like UGC traits that of course have dominated for the past few years. And uh, definitely there needs to be some level of ownership. I think we're starting to, to feel a little more now. That's obviously like where Web3 has its real roots. And then you mentioned a great one there around interoperability. Yes, about being able to take these PFPs that you have and style convert them so that you can be in Sandbox one day and you can be running your store there where you sell your own digital merch and then you leave and you move to something like a restless and you work with an artist and you sell as an intermediary you sell your garment which can be used to convert into any of the the 4000 ready play me environments so i think there's in in that sense then as soon as you have that sort of third third layer or third party i think that's where the scale can can truly happen and obviously we've seen with UGC Roblox has an interesting take rate, to say the least. But we're still seeing that these Gen Zers are able to make, you know, six figures by making these assets, which is no mean feat, considering when I was at home playing Sims during those summer holidays. Now I realize I could be, you know, off this call and somewhere in Barbados, you know, just yeah. <laughs> I could have made a lot of money off of that time. And I think I'm seeing that a lot every Gen Z or I meet or, if, you know, a friend, I just think, just get them straight into 3D. They need to be designing, they need to be in these systems. There's lots of money to be made there. And then I think on the on the venture side, yeah, it's, creation is is huge. And as much as we can invite as many creators in, and then of course, in the web three element would also, especially with brands, as they're building out these virtual worlds, we've already seen that it's doing incredible things, the ROI, and these virtual stores, how about we think larger, we go full virtual worlds, and every brand has its own game, rather than a site. I think we need better experiences for Gen Z. I don't think we're going to have the same Shopify XUI as we have accepted, I think they're going to demand a lot more. And I'm excited for that. I think we need something that's a lot more experimental and experiential too. Oh yeah, sounds like creator economy gone web free. Yes. Gone on yeah. steroids, please. Yeah. Creator economy on steroids and the metaverse. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mike, it's really great that there are angel investors like yourself out there because I think there are quite a few VCs and angels. They're just too old maybe to get that. I mean, you do know like millennials and you, you do know creators who make like six figures income, but not always maybe, you know, creating yeah, I think it's, I think it's a lot, or games. Yeah, I think it's a lot about immersing yourself in the platforms or in the landscape itself. I used to try to spend a lot of time in roadblocks and asking, you know, questions in the chat. And I think that's where you learn 
a lot. Also, you get the tidbits that you wouldn't necessarily get on the reports. And you get such an intuition also after you've had those experiences when the founder comes to you with a specific idea and you kind of get more of a feel of how that would actually work. You can even test the idea and, and have those discussion groups, which I've done before. And Gen Z, they're so willing to, to chat and to share what they're looking at. And I've had, no, I've had a really great time diving into these spaces. We also, of course, write high tea, which is primarily more of a lens on TikTok, the trends every week. But I think that's also a great place to do a lot of exploring in the comments. It's more of a, if you have that interest and if you have that zeitgeist eye and ear, I think those are the people that I try to gravitate towards and who I like to do that as with. Yeah, of course. I mean, you... Yeah, you need to to be interested in something and you need to become part of it. So what are the VCs that you share your investment thesis with? Like, who do you like to co-invest with? So I have actually, since leaving Bitcraft, I have actually co-invested with them. So that's fun. Typically, though, the larger gaming funds do sort of seed and up. So I'm also now skewing a little bit more seed on my gaming investments, a little more pre-seed on the more experimental social network digital third spaces. So I'm chatting to a lot of people now at these gaming funds. So, you know, Makers is a great one, Convoy, Griffin, and also done a few deals actually, actually previous fund at Bitcraft with 1UP, which I also really, really love. There's lots of good people in this space. Lots of people that have that big, bold vision of the future and do also want it to be more diverse with a lot more opportunity given. So I tend to sort of gravitate towards those people and those that love Roblox as well. Can't deny it. <laughs> okay, so that's, the, that's what unites you. And what are, what are the signs of early traction or what are you, what are you looking for? What, what's like their kind of a positive sign yeah. of an investor to jump in and write the check? Yeah, I would say because I'm so early, I look at the founders first and foremost to understand why they are the best ones to be building this this business, this company, because I think that's so important. I, I like to understand why they want to spend the next five to 10 years of their lives working on this. I think that's that's really important to get to the bottom of at the sort of the start of the call, yeah. understanding the mission, but then of course the unique insights on the space. So if they are super early, what have they done to validate some of their thesis already without capital? Like there are a fair few things that you can do, and if they're asking for capital without any sort of initial validation, that would be like a red flag for me. I'd really want them to go and validate without spending too much. We spent a lot of time at Facemoji when we wanted to make a change. We would put it in an ad and send it out very cheaply and see the reaction. So you can do these small tests. And then, of course, if you're building sort of an MVP, building up a community, which, of course, is so important at the Web3 level, to be able to show that there is an intention to play. If you're just launching a token, they're invested in you. There's many ways in which you can now validate an early idea. And and there's also many companies where you don't need to raise funding. And that's okay too, because we also love those businesses and we need those businesses. So not everything is venture fundable, but those that are the ones that are really going to be the market disruptors, the big 
big, bold vision and the founders that are in it for the next five to 10 are not deterred. This is something that they are really, really passionate about. And the other point is that you also can get on with the founder. Sounds so basic and so rudimentary, but honestly, you're going to be spending a lot of time with those people. And so I often look for that as well on the first couple of meets is, is this someone that I really want to be spending time with also? Yeah, I mean, you'll have to be working together. So uh, I imagine if you were to open like your own VC fund at some point, so you would probably have like a shop in the central land, um, you know, kind of like a kiosk sitting there and receiving all their virtual beings with their avatars. Uh, yes. in. Just, uh, <laughs> like we are sitting here, but, you know, with the, at the real table, well, in the metaverse. And then you would like write a check maybe if like the TikTok metrics are fine and uh, the Discord community is growing. <laughs> how would it Yes, how would I mean... Like, how would you have a perfect uh, VC fund? <laughs> well, <laughs> Barbados headquarters, for sure. <laughs> um, I think I would honestly build something within, within Roblox, which I've done previously. And I always joke that I found us pitch in there. Just just for fun, just for fun, though. No, I mean... In the, in the dragon love... uh, costume, like something like, a, I don't know, Blue Alley. I'd have my own merch. Avatar. I'd have my own fun merch in there. And no, Baby Yoda would be there also. And I think I would also love to bring in the, the creator community to some degree as well. So I'd have them design it and include their own assets, change them bi-weekly. Would just love to include as many people possible in the industry. I think that that to me is is how I would want to build it if I ever did. But at the moment I'm very happy with what I'm what I'm doing. And I think just learning as much as possible. I think right now I'm spending as much time as I can in these virtual spaces and working on my thesis as uh, as we're in this interesting market right now. Yeah. I mean, it's a good good time to learn and to build and learning exactly. by doing is also, I think, the best way. And yeah, like, it's like a very, very exciting and very refreshing. I think it's a very different like take and a very different interview than we normally have, giving like your <laughs> focus and your background. And maybe like the very last question. So we normally ask it here, if you could change one thing in this world or maybe in the virtual world, you are spending most time in. What would it be? What would you pick? <sighs> well, I think my main mission right now is to change the narrative around uh, women funding, especially in, in gaming. I remember a, a founder saying to me when I announced that I was leaving Bitcraft, she said, well, don't go far. And from then on, I'm working now to take on that, that mission myself and really encourage others to, to do the same. So in that sense, what I would like to change is to have more, more women VCs as a, as a whole and more women VCs fund and male VCs funding women-led companies. It's a very VC-focused, that answer. I'm not sure if that's exactly what you were looking for, but that's, no, but that's my mission right now. No, I think it's a great one for 2023, and it's definitely the right podcast to place this mission. <laughs> we have yes. many VCs and like aspiring VCs and also female founders uh, and male founders listening to it. 
So I think, yeah, it's uh, it's a great mission and that's the mission we are on as well. So great to have you with us. And Thank uh, you. Yeah, so we're, so yeah, we'll certainly promote your website and your Twitter handles. And uh, yeah, you. we look forward to staying in touch and to join deals together. Thank you for having me. This was so, so great. I'm the last one before Christmas, right? Before the holidays. Yeah, although we'll probably, this podcast will go live in the next year since we, we have to oh, love the it. clock and we'll have to edit it. But well, yeah. I hope everyone had an amazing new year. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.